Wake up, NHL fans. It is Wednesday. This is Morning Cup of Hockey, your NHL morning show. Alongside Kobe Cohen, I'm Johnny Lazarus. We're going to go into the film room and break down some tape between the Oilers and the Leafs last night and talk about Mitch Marner's comments. We're going to talk about Steven Stamkos. We're going to talk about if the Cup is going to come back to Canada this year because the Winnipeg Jets and the Vancouver Canucks currently sit at the top of the NHL. And then we're going to welcome on our friend Mike Grinnell from the Spit and Chicklets podcast. So we got a lot to get into today. But first, let's talk to Kobe Cohen. Kobe, what's going through your mind this morning? You look pretty jazzed up right now, actually. Oh, I am jazzed up as ever right now as the Edmonton Oilers took another step in the right direction, making my power rankings from earlier in this week look even better, although they didn't really beat a good team. Who are we kidding? But (laughs) I'm excited about today. I really am because, um, you know, last night there, there were some statement games we'll call it and and none other than in the mecca uh a place that you know we will be heading to in a couple of weeks uh for the all-star game to do some live shows and and i know you'll have a bunch of other things going on with the nhl but oh man you're gonna want to like and subscribe because we're gonna definitely have uh videos and and clips cut from this episode because the leafs are gonna get it they 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 deserve <laughs> it and they're gonna get it too. who's gonna give it to my man you are that's who <laughs> i mean i it's just it's it's such deja vu i mean it's got to be painful to be a toronto maple leafs fan it, it's it's honestly like being a Dallas Cowboys fan. I, I know we already talked about it this week, but then what do they do? They go out against Edmonton. They start the game like their hair's on fire. And then here we go. We've seen this movie before. I mean, what is going on in Toronto? What changes need to be made? Clearly something needs to give because this is a team in the Toronto Maple Leafs, Johnny, that has won four games in regulation in their last 14 appearances. Two of those wins were against the San Jose Sharks, who are who have won one of their last 14 games. I mean, what else do you need to say right there about this team? And, and, and it's a joke that people actually think this is a Stanley Cup contender. How, how, how can you honestly say those words and and you know, look yourself in the mirror. Well, I don't think my words really matter right now, but I think Mitch Marner's words matter a little bit more. So let's take a look at what Mitch Marner had to say last night of the loss. So I can read this out loud as well. Mitch Marner says the Leafs aren't frustrated. We got to ignore what everyone else says. We know what a gr- we know we're a great hockey team. We show up every night. I mean, this last four games, we've had leads. We've played some awesome hockey, some great hockey. And I mean, listen, I think, Everyone that read that tweet last night or read that quote, excuse me, had something to say about it and mostly negative words about it because there's zero accountability in that room. And we talked about it the other day. We talked about the difference between a culture in Toronto and the difference between a culture in a team like Carolina. These guys don't call each other out. Not that they should you know, point each other out as individuals, but Sheldon Keefe had no problem doing it earlier in the week. He called out Willie Nylander. Where was that last night? Right, you blow a two nothing so, lead on the road so against Oilers. I mean, like, like where was that? That's, you know that's, your, that's multiple uh, goal leads blown in the last week against two teams that you have to have a benchmark against in the, in the Colorado Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers. Like those are teams that, where you measure up. Well, look, look, let's just get into what was so tone deaf about the last couple of days for this team. First of all, that quote by Marner. I mean, listen, man, read the room. 
Okay. Stop lying. Nobody believes you. Okay. Your, your team is not playing good hockey. Playing a good period does not make you a good hockey team. Okay. Like you can't have five minute flashes in a hockey game and say, yeah, we're playing really good hockey. Well, yeah. When you're down by a goal or you start with your hair on fire on the road, sure. You have a good push, a good stretch. Okay. A good period, whatever. That doesn't win you hockey games. Good teams play 60-minute games. They don't take shifts off. They're able to roll four lines. They're able to roll a couple of defensemen. They get saves. And all these are things that the Toronto Maple Leafs are not getting right now. Now, how about this, okay? You want to talk about accountability? I I would say maturity is another word that is clearly missing in this group, uh, especially when you see Mitch Marner's comment. But how about this? for maturity or accountability against the avalanche. Okay. Three minutes and 25 seconds to go in the game. Austin Matthews is on the ice. The Avs score the go ahead goal. Couple nights later against the red wings, one minute and 40 seconds to go in the game. Let's try the fourth line. David camp, his lines on the ice for the go ahead goal. All right. Fast forward to last night against Edmonton three Oh five left in the game. Okay. Who's on the ice? Austin Matthews. Who's on the ice for a goal against? Austin Matthews. What do you do if you're Sheldon Keefe? You can't put the fourth line checkers out. You can't put your $40 million first line out. Mm-hmm. You've got Ma- Matthew Nyes was on the fourth line 24 hours ago. Okay. Now he's back to playing in the top six. Didn't look pretty for him last night. All right. What about Max Domi? Where does he fit in all this? He flies under the radar, but he's running around half the game like a chicken with his head cut off. I mean, you just look at the way this team is giving up goals and it's bad. And that's why we're going to do a video breakdown for you. The first of its kind on our show. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So if you are on the YouTube, make sure you, you, you buckle in because we're going to go through the game winning goal for the Edmonton Oilers. And, And it's funny as we were watching this, Johnny and I, every other clip and frame yeah. had something else to say. I mean, it, it's bad. So let's just roll the tape, Vic, and and start playing this. And we're going to stop it here already. Look at Max Domi. Okay, he's a forward right now. He's coming across the middle. Your job is to angle here and not allow the puck carrier into center ice. All right. Max Domi does anything but angle. He takes a major flyby. Okay. He swings his stick. He doesn't make contact. This is a cardinal sin, especially late in the game. Be accountable to your teammates. Like what are you doing here? And then the defense. All right. Morgan Riley's got a good gap, but well, TJ Brody, you're, you're half a zone away, man. You play in the NHL. Your job is to not allow teams to walk into the offensive zone. All right, why are you backing up so much? Johnny, you got anything on this part of the clip? Well, I think they need to come tighter in the middle of the ice. Like, you look at uh, Morgan Riley right now. He's on the boards, essentially. He needs to get more toward the dot, I would say. Yeah, and you, you could probably you agree like to that to as a defenseman. on the inside of the dot. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. at least and then, he's capped up. He's, he's covering somebody, but the weak side of the ice looks like a major problem right now. A major problem. Yeah, and I think if Max Domi stays more in the middle of the ice, he kind of accepts the rush and doesn't allow the middle of the ice and those lanes to open up. So just, let's just, just roll. take a yeah. better angle. Cut the ice yeah. in half. He did none of the above. All right, Vic, roll, roll yeah. the clip a little bit. Not too long, though. Now, now again, 
defensemen, you can't just back up. You've got to challenge this rush. Right now, we see eight people in the screen, four white and four blue, okay? Everybody within a stick length of each other. Now, look at Max Domi on the near side of the ice, Johnny. And I know this is something that really pissed you off. Yeah. And then, furthermore, you've got Matthew Nyes, who's, you know, wide track Pontiac. He's not moving his feet. Here comes the back check. And, and watch what these two forwards for Toronto do you know, as we roll this clip along again, here comes Max Domi, Johnny. Now he wants to go from the middle to the near side across. And where's Matthew Nyes? Matthew Nyes is completely cheating over to the ice. Matthew Nyes should be five feet backwards in the middle of the low slot with his head on a swivel to keep his eyes on CC. Who's number five at the point. Oh, and here comes Bertuzzi. He wasn't in the clip. Now he wants to make a last ditch effort. I mean, this is disastrous, Johnny. Well, I think the easy thing to point out here, too, is that the four players in white right now above that far dot are all looking at the puck. This is puck watching to a T. And you look at the dangerous Oilers on the ice right now. Who would you say is the most dangerous player right now uh, in a blue jersey? I mean, look, I, I can point to three guys right now that are that are fairly dangerous. OK, um, McDavid, who's on the goal line. Uh, mm -hmm. McLeod, who's in front of the net, and then Cece, who's on the point, who's really not on the point. He's in the you know the the high slot, but nobody is looking at him. That's Matthew mm -hmm. Nyes' guy right there. Who is coaching these guys in this structure? That is a question that I have. But also, you guys are playing in the NHL. You're all making millions of dollars. You can't puck watch against the Edmonton Oilers with three minutes left in the game. Roll the clip, Vic. It just keeps getting uglier here. Yeah. Now, Morgan Riley's caught between a rock and a hard place. Okay. Things are happening mm -hmm. fast, Johnny. And this is just, it's just a disaster. Everything's just a second behind when the, when the goal happens. And it's, it's a shame because Nyes probably takes the blame here, right? Because Nyes has to cover CC. He also has to cover the guy in the slot because Morgan Riley's paying attention to the puck carrier behind the net. So it is kind of Nyes' responsibility in that position of the ice. But what you're taught as a forward when you're back-checking like this is to come back and protect the house. And none of the forwards really do that. Bertuzzi and Domi both go to the, the first guy on the far side. I'm forgetting who it was. I think it might have been McLeod in that clip. Um, so there's just there's no protection of the middle of the ice, starting from the rush. Domi flies over to the boards. The D it's just are, out of control. Yeah, there, there, there's no control. protection in the middle of the ice. There's yeah. no structure to the way that they're back pressuring their neutral zone set. They were in good shape. That's the reality. In the beginning of that clip, they've got bodies back and they were in good shape. Okay. Well, and then all of a sudden undisciplined hockey, immature hockey and hockey that doesn't look accountable to any teammate or any coach is what ensues. And that's a, a game tying goal. Okay. With a couple of minutes left. Um, and, and it's bad. I mean, that's really bad. I don't agree with you that that's all, you know, I, I wouldn't point the number one finger at Matthew Nyes. Mm -hmm. I think Max Domi is every bit liable for that goal for what he did in the neutral zone and then coming, you know, flying across. All right. And then trying to make a big hit and taking yourself even further out of the play. I think TJ Brody, um, you know, could have had a better gap, but okay, sure. I'll give it to you. It's late in the game. You're thinking a little bit of protection. Look, not that late in the game. There's 17 minutes to go in the third period. Bit, 
sorry, you're right. That that was yeah. early in the that was the game time yeah. early, not the game winner late in the game. But but yeah. still, you're protecting a lead in the third period. You know, Biz put something on Twitter last night, and he said they need mutants on defense. They need Gudas, and they need Zadorov, and whatever. And here's the reality: he's not wrong, but. I don't put that goal on the defensemen that are on the ice. That is a product of of bad details by the forwards in the neutral zone, bad back checking, puck watching, and you name it. And, you know, I I just wonder, I wonder is... uh, That goal is way more on the forwards than the D, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just wondering, is Sheldon Keefe going to have a video session today where he puts that videotape and that goal on blast? And that's not the only one that should be on blast. How about the game-winning goal last mm-hmm. night? This one was the goal with a couple of minutes left, all right? And here's my issue with the game-winning goal. My issue is is your number one player, your number one star, and your, your highest paid forward and player, uh, he gets outworked by Connor McDavid all over the ice, all right? He loses the puck, a puck battle along the wall. He then gets an opportunity to have the puck down below the wall in the corner and Ryan McLeod strips him the eventual goal scorer. Okay. So you just cannot see this out of your best players game in and game out. If you're going to be a successful team. All right. And the reality is, is they again had numbers and bodies back, but they got outworked. Connor McDavid completely outworks Austin Matthews. It's perfect framing the way it ends with McDavid and Matthews standing in front of the net. But this is the play I'm talking about right here. Look, Matthews gets the puck on his stick, and then he just gets stripped by McLeod. Take some pride in protecting that puck, Austin Matthews. You make more money than anybody else. I mean, look, everybody wants to fire Sheldon Keefe today. I get it because you got to blame somebody. But how about the forwards? Have some details and some pride in your game. I mean, I don't even know if I'd call that being at work or just or just not even thinking like his brain doesn't even look like it's on. And granted, I think he was out there for an icing. It's a long shift, but you've got to bear down when you're tired. That's when you have to think the game even more and simplify the game even more. Like he doesn't have to win that puck battle, but he can't get out of position like he did. Like Matthews a question. Yeah. Do you think they're out of shape? Because you and I know this from playing. Yeah. The minute you get tired, your brain goes. It's the first thing that goes is your brain. It's the first thing that goes when you're fatigued. Okay, you're not thinking. And so I'm wondering, is is he potentially not in good enough shape? I, I don't know the answer to that, but but it maybe looks that way. I don't think it's an out of shape thing. It, it, it's just it's it's mental. It's it's being locked in mentally. Uh, that's that's really all it is. And I think it's it's a uh, it, it, you got to get reset. These games allow you, I think, to go over video. Like you said, I wonder if Sheldon will show that. And then you have to find a way to just bear down in those situations. Like that's what's frustrating is because Morgan Riley and Austin Matthews, they're in the right position originally. And then they just get lost. And you see Morgan Riley not find a guy in the back door. You see Benoit not find a guy in the back door. Matthews, yeah, sure. He has his guy in McDavid in front of the net, but no one goes to the puck carrier McLeod because it's a mental lapse behind the net. There's got to be communication. There's got to be chatter. And that's, I think, what they're lacking on this game winning goal is that I don't think it's, you know, guys being out of shape. Like we've seen the best, the players in the best shape in the world get tired. It happens. They're human beings. They get tired. Yeah. But so then does his ice time need to be managed more? This is, I think this is just being caught in an icing. 
Yeah, like but, but Johnny, this is this is two of the last three losses where Ma- Matthew's line is on the ice for the game-winning goal. And mm-hmm. we're talking about players who make mistakes when they're fatigued, okay, which is what you said. That's what yeah. you said. And yeah, I agree, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just asking you, are are his is he getting too many minutes? And and again, I don't know Austin Matthews whatsoever. Never met him. I've mm-hmm. seen him play. He's incredible. Okay, with the puck, his goal, he's the best pure scorer in the NHL, him and Pasta, hands down. But I, I, I just can't not ask the question. We're watching the mistakes happening. He looked tired, and, and yes, uh, it was off of an icing, whatever the circumstances were, but maybe his ice time needs to be managed more by the coaching staff, all right? And, you know, may, I, I, again, are they watching video today and are they watching the game tying goal and the game winning goal? And are these players being called out? I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'd love to know the answers, but I don't know those answers. And I think that has to happen. I'm just, I want to ask you this. Cause I don't want to, I, I don't want to like mismanage your words here, but that's a two, two hockey game. You, you want to have your best player out there. Like whether he's, you know, getting a ton of minutes or little minutes, like, Managing Austin Matthews ice time, I, I don't think that really plays effect into this conversation, if you know what I mean. Like you're in a tie game, you're trying to win the hockey game, you want your best goal scorer on the ice. And I actually think we may have just lost Colby. Uh, I don't know what's happening there, but um, you know, I can go into what we're gonna talk about next, which is Steven Stamkos. It came out yesterday. Uh, Julian Breeze. Oh, here we go. You're back. And Colby's back. All right. Well, I was about to transition topics. I don't know what happened I- there. Well, hold on a second. I lost you there. Did you lose me too? Yeah, you were off the show. Oh, I was off the show. Perfect. Yeah. Um, that's probably for the betterment of of things. But I was going to go know, to the I, next topic. Of no, Stanford. no, no. I don't want to go to the next topic. I want to finish the question you were just asking. Well, I thought you just quit the show. Me, you're asking me, like, should should he not be out on the ice? Well, yeah. Johnny, against the Avs, he's out on the ice, and they give up the game-winning goal. Okay. Yeah, but these are tie games. These are tie games. I I get it. Listen, I'm just saying you're playing against other teams' best forwards and you're losing it. You're you're losing the games. You're not defending hard enough. You're getting outworked in your own zone. Maybe maybe they're cheating offensively. Is that what is that what the problem is? I don't know. Listen, it it didn't look to me like they were cheating offensively on the game winning goal. It just looked like they got outworked. It looked like they were tired and they got outworked. So Sure. Do you want to have him on the ice? But again, is anybody showing him these things? Like, is anybody getting into him about these things? Or is it just like he makes too much money? He's too big of a superstar. We can't do that. I I don't think he's that type of guy. I think hockey players are built a little bit different as superstar athletes. I think those guys want to know what's going on and they want to be held accountable. Most of them. But I got to tell you, like, this is this is bad. I mean, it's it's you look what they've done over the last 14 games. They've got teams crawling down their neck. They're trending in the wrong direction. Martin Jones let up some not so pretty goals last night. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've got all your eggs in the basket of, of Joseph wall. Who's an unproven NHL goaltender. It's going to have a shitload of pressure on him when he gets back. I don't know. I really don't know about this team. I mean, again, this is not a Stanley cup contending team. It's just not. So let's just not kid ourselves. And if you yeah. want to move on now, I'm done. Okay. I'm done. I feel like Stephen a Smith. I'm sweating. I've been screaming for the last 20 minutes, so I'm done. All right. No, I, these are all good points. Show. You kicked me off the show at one <laughs> point. So my own damn show, you kicked me off of it. But I thought those were great points though. And I think people need to see that because there is a, you know, disconnect sometimes with 
how people watch the game and what people see, because if there's anyone blaming the defense on that tying goal, it's all on how the forwards backtrack. And then the game winning goal, like you said, it's, it's just a mental lapse. Um, so I think those things are important to point out and those have to be pointed out inside the locker room or else those details don't get fixed. And again, the problem or, or what isn't a problem for the Leafs right now is that these are fixable details, right? It's not like they have to go trade for a guy. Hey, and Johnny, how many rosters. years have they been doing this? Well, starts, we, t- we talked about Sheldon Keefe, I think yesterday or two days ago, it has to be the voice in your head telling you what to do right? Like players should know where to go, where to be in those situations. And it starts with the coaching staff. Well, well, let me just, let me ask you this situation. We're never moving on from the stop. Let's just, let's just say this was last year and Brad Marchand was on the ice. You think he wants to come back to the bench and face Patrice Bergeron? If, if he puts himself or his team in that situation. Okay. Mm -hmm. You think? No, definitely not. I mean, that's a benchmark team and culture right there. You know, you think Jack Eichel wants to come back to the bench and have to look Mark Stone in the eye? If he, if he, if he makes us, you know, if he gets outworked to make so sure we can, we can move on from Sheldon Keefe and we can fire Sheldon Keefe every week on every show in America. And, and it probably needs to happen. It looks like it needs to happen, but I got to tell you, man, you know, you're, you're saying that these are fixable mistakes. Who's going to fix them. When are they going to get fixed? That Babcock couldn't get it out of this group. Okay. He's an asshole. Now you bring in a, a more friendly players type of coach. He can't get it out of this group. Is John Tortorella the, the type of guy you need to bring it? Like, I, I'm just wondering, like, you know, I, I, I don't agree with you that these are so easy and fixable because then they would fix them. They're the best hockey, some of the best hockey players in the world. How about Willie Nylander? Where's he been since his extension? Four games, no points. I mean, you know, it's bad timing on that one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Daniel Hartman in the chat right now says enough Leafs. How about them Jets? The Winnipeg Jets. First place in the NHL, tied with the Vancouver Canucks. All the Canadian teams, aside from the one we're talking about right now, well, not the Oilers, but aside from the Leafs, the Canadians, and the Ottawa Senators seem to be in contention this year to make a run for the Stanley Cup. I mean, the Jets, the Canucks, um, who am I missing right now? Uh, the Oilers, Flames. Flames had a big win last night as well. Um, you know, these Flames teams are right not, now. Flames are not a serious, can, like, I mean. Yeah, they're, I, they're I, on I a heater. They're on a heater. I don't care. I'm I'm sorry. They're not. They're a team that's they're a team that's going to get picked apart at the deadline. Look, I think Winnipeg deserves a lot of credit. Uh, they made some tough changes. Um, you know, they walked away from a couple of players. They they've had you know issues where they they didn't have their head coach for stretches this year. They didn't have Kyle Connor for stretches this year. But boy, do they have the best goalie in the NHL. Uh, they got a guy who can who can make a good team a great team or a great team a a, a cup team. Um, the only thing I'll say about Ed, or the Winnipeg Jets, the only reason I'm not I'm just not ready to you know bet my mortgage is I've seen them do this before. I've seen them have stretches in the season where they look like the best team in the NHL. They did it for periods of time last year. They did it for periods of time the year before, and then they hit these big skids that they were never able to recover from. I do think you've got to look at Adam Lowry, the new captain, and you got to like what you see and you got to feel like he's the guy to keep this thing on the rails and to keep it going for them. So uh, that's the only reason that I'm not, I'm not picking Edmund, uh, the Winnipeg Jets to win the cup right now, but they certainly are the best. They they certainly are the best team in the NHL right now. No doubt. No doubt about that. And they have a pretty balanced attack. Like you look through their roster and yeah, Mark Schleifley is leading the way with 41 points in 41 games, point a game, but they're getting scoring from guys like 
Cole Perfetti, Nino Niederreiter, Nemesnikov, Gabe Velarde, Mason Appleton. Like they're getting balanced scoring too. But what's separating them from everyone else is just their consistency to defend. And that's what Toronto's lacking, what we talked about before. You don't see that out of the Winnipeg Jets. And if they do have a lapse, they have the goalie that's going to make the big save when you need it. So, you know, it's that argument of, of defense wins championships, right? Like if Winnipeg is consistently the best defensive team in the NHL, which they have been, can they have enough goal scoring if they score, you know, two to three goals a night? to win them a Stanley cup. Like that's probably what's going to be the discussion come playoff time is, is if, you know, Kyle Connor and, and these guys like Ehlers and Shifley can produce come playoff time. Cause we know they can keep the puck out of their own net, but can they find that consistent offense to get them over the hump? Yeah. Look, I, like I said, I, I, I love it because I love their goaltending situation. You got to hope and pray this guy stays healthy. I think Josh Morrissey is very underrated as a defenseman in the NHL. I don't think I named him there. Yeah. Um, I think he, he, you know, is a guy who can just hurt you in so many different ways. And he defends and is very defensively aware. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens up there in Winnipeg. We, we will. I love Rick Bonus. Um, he, he's a guy that, that I've got to meet a number of times as a broadcaster and, you know, he, he's an easy guy to root for. Um, it, it, he really is. So uh, we'll see what happens with Winnipeg. I, I think this is a year where the cup, I think Winnipeg is the best chance of the cup returning to Canada, Johnny. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but I do think they're the best chance because as, as good as Edmonton's playing right now, I still think they need uh, 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 some more goaltending, oper- you know, like who do you like in a, in a Western Conference series? Hellebuck versus Stuart Skinner. Yeah, Even I mean, with I think David and dry yeah. side. I, I mean, I've just seen Edmonton collapse way too many times to pick them in that scenario. Um, you know, I think I have to lean Hellebuck there. I, yeah, you have to. You have to. Yeah, you That's have what to. I'm so, yeah. so I just don't, you know, I don't think that, that they're, you know, ready to go. And, and then, you know, furthermore, you get into a playoff series of maybe let's say Vancouver and Winnipeg then that's the goaltending matchup that everybody would really want to see. I mean, Demko against Hellebuck. I mean, those are, those are two star goaltenders in the NHL. Um, two guys who are playing at the top of their game, two guys that have their, their teams at the top of the standings. And, you know, those are two guys that, that if their teams do make deep runs, it's, it's going to be because of the work that they do in the net. But I think I'm leaning Vancouver in that situation. Why you, you lean Winnipeg? Why? I, mean, I think Vancouver has a way more balanced attack. They've defended almost as good as Winnipeg has. And then you look at the power play. I mean, Vancouver's power play. I know they've dropped off a little bit now. They were top in the league for throughout most of the season. They're now at a 23.2% sitting at 11th, but Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson. I, I mean, these guys, these four guys, I'm, I'm taking them over Winnipeg 10 out of 10 times. And, and, you know, I know goaltending for Winnipeg. Yes, it is above all, but I think Demko is strong enough to win that series. If those two teams were to face one another, I just look at the balance attack, the roster from top to bottom. And I think Vancouver is just stronger in every single area of the ice. Yeah. But I just wonder about guys like Besser and Pedersen and even Quinn Hughes come come playoff time. The game changes. And I think Winnipeg plays way heavier. They play way more physical. Um, I think Hellebuck's better than Demko. Okay. So mm-hmm. who would I take? I would take uh, Winnipeg in that series. I really would. I mean, the way that they're going that right now, um, I mean, look, things can change uh, as we know by week, you know, every week, but I, I personally right now, if, if, if that's the matchup, that's, that's who I would take. So, um, 
Canada looks like they're 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 a force to be reckoned with this year, and and it ain't the it ain't the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is not the Toronto Maple Leafs. No, definitely not. But let's talk about another team that has been a force to be reckoned with over the previous years. That has been a little bit of a up and down roller coaster this year. They're currently in the second wild card spot right now, but that's Tampa Bay Lightning. And yesterday it came out that Julian Breezeboss said they will not be trading Steven Stamkos, so we can put all those rumors to bed, but Tampa is interesting, right? Because their window is definitely still open, but it's more closed than open. I would say over the next, what one to three years probably is when this thing is going to shake up a little bit more. I mean, Nikita Kucherov right now is playing uh, at an MVP pace. I'd say he's the favorite to win the MVP right now. We can talk about that a little bit later in the episode, but Steven Stamkos, what does the future have for him? Because how many years do you think he has left on this Tampa Bay lightning roster? Yeah, I mean, look, I think they'll they'll have to work out a, a three-year type of deal, maybe four-year type of deal. Obviously, I think Stamkos, you know, you get a little bit of a discount for being in Florida, but I got to be honest with you. I, I love Steven Stamkos. I, I think he can still play the game at a high level, but I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning um, need to watch out and need to be careful that they continue to kind of go all in every single year, like the Chicago Blackhawks did for about seven or eight years in a row. And it set them back to needing one of the biggest rebuilds that we've seen in hockey, trading Taves, trading Kane, all these guys. And I think eventually that's what's going to happen in Tampa Bay. I really do. Um, excuse me, they didn't trade Taves. Taves just kind of, you know, retired. So mm-hmm. what I what I wouldn't want to see happen in Tampa Bay is them not be able to recoup and not be able to have anything to rebuild with because they let these guys go too deep into their careers and they no longer have the value to bring you things back. And when you have Victor Hedman in that locker room, you have Vasilevsky, okay? You have Braden Point and you have Nikita Kucherov who are all a little bit younger, um, I, I think Steven Stamkos uh, could return you a major, major haul. I really do. And what happens if this summer he's not happy with the contract offer and he walks for nothing? For nothing, we yep. S- we see what Breezewaugh does. And look, anything Julian Breezewaugh does, even if I don't agree, I always say, you know what? He's way smarter than me. There must be a reason, Okay. And for this, there must be a reason. He must know something that we don't know. He has a plan that we're not aware of. But I, I got to say, um, I, I do not think it's the right decision because I think you could get and recoup a ton of assets for Steven Stamkos that you can file away for later, okay? When eventually, in a couple of years, you do have to start thinking a little bit about rebuilding your roster back up because... Hedman, Vasilevsky, Kucherov aren't going to be young forever. I know Point is a little bit younger, okay? But I don't I don't agree with it. I really don't. Not for a team that's not a true Stanley Cup contender this year. So what makes us think they will be next year? Is it crazy to say that Steven Stamkos is underrated? I mean, maybe, maybe it is just because again, he, he, he doesn't play in a prime hockey market. So he just doesn't get talked about as much as guys who play in Boston or New York or Chicago or, or Toronto or Montreal, or, you know what I mean? He just, it, it's, it's a little bit of a different uh, situation. I mean, this guy right now is 41 points in 41 games last year, 84 and 81 year before 106 points in 81 games year before that he was a little bit hurt. So he had 34 points in 38 games, 66 and 57 the year before that, 98 and 82 the year before that, 86 and 78 year before that. I mean, this guy just produces year after year. And I feel like Tampa is is the prime team that is always so good that no one ever talks about 
in the regular season for whatever reason. And I don't know what it is because they've won two Stanley Cups in recent years. They've won Eastern Conference Finals for years in a row uh, over the last five years. And like, are they not exciting? What What is it about Tampa that doesn't get talked about? They are exciting. I think it's just the expectations are so high. And I think everybody knows they're like the one team that can flip a switch late in the season. Um, very few teams in the NHL can really do that. So look, they also have been wildly inconsistent this year. I mean, look, it's just a, what have you done for me lately type of sport? Remember they lost last year in the first round to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, the Leafs finally got over that first round hump. Um, so you know, I wouldn't want to see them in the first round for sure, but I I, I don't think uh, they're as dangerous clearly as they've been. They've gotten picked apart. They lost Kalorn. They lost Palat. I mean, go down the list. They lost Ross Colton. They lost Verhage. You know, these are all good hockey players. These are, these are you know, mid and late round draft picks that Julian Brisewa and his staff have hit on over the years, which has, you know, been why they're so good. Yeah, and it's uh, going to be interesting to see how that plays out because, like you said, Tampa's getting older before they're getting any younger. And, you know, that's an organization that knows how to run things. They know how to win. Um, but let's talk about some of the games last night, Kobe, because another team that's been buzzing as of late, the Colorado Avalanche, a recent Stanley Cup winner as well. They score five straight goals against a team from Canada that has been struggling, the Ottawa Senators. And, I mean, the Colorado Avalanche right now, they, they, to me, they're the team to beat. I don't care if they're not in first place in the NHL. Like, they're skilled top to bottom. They have three top 10 players in the NHL. I know the goaltending is a little bit uh, not, not, not subpar. It's above average, but it's not elite goaltending. To me, I still think they're the team to beat. Well, and I think the thing with them, Johnny, is, is they're able to win different ways like we saw last night. I mean, you don't like seeing them get into a track meet with the Montreal Canadiens, but you know the Canadians are generally playing with house money, so it's a little bit easier for them to just kind of get up and down the ice with, with not a lot of care um, you know, knowing they're really not a playoff team, they're in a rebuild. So, you know, look, I, I think the, tr uh, the Colorado avalanche, when they get going downhill are as difficult as anyone. And I think a lot of it has to do with, with the way Nate McKinnon and, and the way Kale McCarr are playing hockey right now. Um, you know, it seems like you see one night they're able to gut out a three, two win. Um, you know, one night they, they have a com a huge comeback win against the Leafs. Uh, I think that's a locker room right there where players are holding each other accountable. Um, I think this is the kind of locker room that they have a lot of belief when they're down three, one, they know or think that they're going to win. And it's not just bullshit lip service, which a lot of teams do and have more teams than not are just full of shit. When it comes to that Colorado avalanche, they're a team that when they're down a couple of goals, they actually truly have the belief that they're going to come back and win. Um, and they've done it now difference. twice in the last week. <laughs> I, I was on one team like that in college. Uh, I think my sophomore year, it did not matter what the score was. It, it, even in the national championship game, we were down three to one. We were still pretty confident that we were going to win that hockey game. And it's just a different mindset when you have those skilled players, though. Like you look at Nathan McKinnon, and I think it's something we're going to get into when Grinnell hops on the show here shortly, just about MVP mentality and elite stars in the NHL. There's a difference between elite players and great players. And I think McKinnon specifically is one of those elite players where he can just turn it on at the flip of a switch, and not many players in the NHL can do that. And to me, the Avalanche have two of them because McCarr, 
you know, same thing on the blue line, right? Like Greg Carville has said it multiple times that Kale McCarr is the Connor McDavid of the blue line. He can just flip that switch at any given moment in any game. And you're shaking your head. You agree? Because it's not something I said. It's something that Carve said. Had I said that, you'd probably yeah. call me an idiot, but it's because Carve said it. Um, we'll say, tell everybody, Greg Carville is the coach at yes. UMass. Coach UMass. Coach Kale McCarr. Coach Kale McCarr. Convinced Kale McCarr to stay a second year. Recruited Kale McCarr. Um, you know, so there's obviously a relationship there, but I, I totally agree with it. I mean, there's no better skater in the NHL than Kel McCarr. You know, mm-hmm. he's right there with McDavid and McKinnon and, and, you know, Roman Yossi kind of skates like him from the back end, the way he's able to kind of get up on his edges. Um, I think as long as Georgiev holds up for them, um, which I don't think he has to be a Vesna candidate. I just think he has to do enough. Um, I, I think you're right. I think Colorado right now, the way that they're playing looks like a team that, you know, is probably the team to beat, um, you know, and, and you, you like Jared Bednar's coaching style. You, you know, he's a guy who, who knows how to press the right buttons and pull the right levers on his team. Um, so look, it, it, they're a good hockey club that that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. So you look at the top five teams in the NHL right now. It's the Winnipeg Jets, the Vancouver Canucks, the Boston Bruins, the Colorado Avalanche and the New York Rangers. Can you do me a favor and rank these teams right now? One to five in which you think. Well, hold on. Can you read? You got to read them again so I can write it down. Yeah. The Winnipeg Jets. Okay. The Vancouver Canucks. Okay. The Boston Bruins. The Colorado Avalanche and the New York Rangers. Okay. One to five. Who you think? Okay. Stanley Cup favorites. Yeah. I mean, look, I think Colorado would be one. Mm-hmm. I think Winnipeg would be two. I think Vancouver three, Boston four, Rangers five. I, so, so that's where I wanted this to go. And I'm happy you said it that way because the Boston Bruins have been consistently good all year. I know they've dropped off a little bit as of late, but not too poorly. And I feel like for some reason, they don't seem to have that extra swagger to them this year that they may have had in years previous. And I don't know if that's, you know, losing a guy like Bergeron this year in the offseason and whatnot. But do you feel that this year that the swagger just might not be there as much as it has been? I know last year it's a franchise record no, setting year. So it's I, a little different. I disagree. They, they've been a top five team in the NHL all season. Um, I'm not sure how we can say that their swagger is gone. Look, it's a different look when gone, you don't have Patrice Bergeron. Listen, David Posternock plays with more swagger than any player in the entire NHL. Okay. He has enough swagger for multiple NHL teams. I'll tell you who could use swagger like him, Toronto, because it's real mm-hmm. swagger. Because not only will David Posternock score two goals, right? He'll run a guy over. Okay. He'll lay down and block a shot. He'll, he doesn't care. He'll do everything that he needs to do to win hockey games. David Posternock does not get outworked along the boards for a puck battle. Okay, there's a huge difference in the the swagger that he has and the swagger that some other superstars in the NHL have. So I like the Boston Bruins. I think they're as complete a team as anyone. I love their goaltending situation. Jeremy Swayman's been great the last couple of games since Olmark got hurt. He had a shutout the other night. Um, I think this team has some serious depth now on the back end. You know, Forbert's about to come back. Uh, they've got Lindholm. Mason Lorai looks like a legit player for them. I mean, he really does. His puck skills are unbelievable. He's going to have to, you know, continue to work on his defensive awareness, but you know, it's a perfect partner with Kevin Shattenkirk who kind of holds down the fort on that third pair. 
He's also the guy who subs in every time Charlie McAvoy misses a game for whatever reason on the top power play. I think David Posternock actually likes having Shattenkirk out on the top of that power play because he's more of a natural passer and less mm-hmm. of a rover like Charlie McAvoy is. Um, so I, I like the Boston Bruins. I, I think they're they're legit. Uh, I think they're well coached. I think that they have good depth. I think their their bottom six plays the game incredibly hard. I think those guys all know what their roles are. Guys like Trent Frederick, uh, Johnny Beecher, Lauco. You know, there's kind of a rotating cast of characters that come in and out of that lineup uh, in their bottom six, and they all know what their role is. They all play it well, um, and so I think that's a tough team. I really do. I actually, if anything, I think that uh, they don't get enough credit for how good they've been this season. Mm-hmm. And Jeremiah Maxwell in the chat just said, if Boston could add Lindholm from Calgary, I'd really like what they have, but their scoring has been a touch streaky. I have faith in Swayman, the Anchorage, Alaska kid. Let's go bees. I know he's from Alaska. while watching right now. He's here every morning. So thank you, Jeremiah, for, for writing that in the chat and tuning in. Um, we are having a little bit of tech issues. So I just wanted to apologize for anyone that might be experiencing that. Watching right now, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get Grinnell on just with uh, the technical problems that we're having right now. But we were going to talk about the MVP race. And to well, me, hold on. I want to I, hold on. Yeah, I want to talk about what Jeremiah said, um, mm-hmm. adding Lindholm down the middle. Look, I, I think there's there's a couple of, of, of good options out there. Um, and I think Don Sweeney looks at guys like Lindholm. OK, I don't think if you look at Don Sweeney's history as the general manager of the Boston Bruins, he does not bring in flashy types of players at the deadline. OK, he likes to bring in workers. He likes to bring in 200 foot guys that he knows he can plug into that organization and you know, they're not going to be trying to make extra plays at the red line. They're not going to be making selfish plays, you know, looking for their points, stuff like that. And I think Lindholm, Jeremiah, is a phenomenal choice for that team because you can never have too many good players down the middle. I think every year the team that wins the Stanley Cup is usually loaded down the middle with a fourth line that is just absolute sandpaper and speed, okay? And I, I like Lindholm. I really do. I, I almost think almost like the other Lindholm that they went out and traded for a couple of years ago on defense. Again, a guy who isn't flash, but is just a really good, really, you know, a very, very good defenseman who plays all, you know, 200 feet offensively, defensively, physical play, moving the puck. And, and Lindholm sort of reminds me in Calgary of the defenseman Lindholm Hampus and Elias, you you know, they they remind me of each other, even though they're different positions, because those Swedish players, they're 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 generally very responsible guys. They they Mm -hmm. are. And so I would love to see the Bruins do something like that. And I think the Bruins will do something like that because I don't think they love their prospect pipeline. I think there's players they'd be willing to move off from. Um, and I, I think that uh, they're looking at this as another opportunity where they could make a deep run. Like, I think they look at themselves as a legit Stanley Cup contender, and I believe that they should. And I think Elias Lindholm has been tied to the Bruins pretty much all year long. Uh, it seems to be that they're the front runner and have been the front runner since the conversations even started, which, you know, I think began this summer when the Bruins were down a couple centers that, you know, retired in Krejci and Bergeron. So I don't think it comes as a surprise to anyone. If the Boston Bruins go pick up Elias Lindholm yeah. and what else we got know. in the chat? Anything? Uh, let's check the chat here. Seeing a couple of penguins comments, but 
Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Pittsburgh farm system sucks royally. That's Darcy Sagan. Uh, but Jeremiah said he just makes so much sense. He just makes so much sense for the Bruins, but Calgary has to be willing to deal as well. Yeah, but I don't think Calgary is going to have a lot of options because they they're they're scared right now because of what happened with Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Okay, mm-hmm. like those no guys, leverage, exactly. No leverage. And so you know they're going to have to make deals. They do not want to lose these guys for nothing. Hannafin, Tanev, uh, Lindholm. That's why earlier in the show I laughed at you and you brought up Calgary because this is a team that is going to get crushed at the deadline and lose you know, most of their top end players that are not committed to re-signing there. Um, so I think if there's a deal to be made, I think Don Sweeney's a guy who will make that deal. We've seen that over the years. It, it definitely makes sense. Okay. It, it, mm-hmm. it definitely makes sense. And the trade that Calgary made this summer, like swapping Tyler Toffoli and Igor Sharon Govich. I mean, Sharon Govich has been great for Calgary this year. He has seven goals in his last 10 games. Uh, I believe he scored the OT winner last night. He's got eight, 18 goals, 31 points in 44 games this year. Like he's been doing really well the Calgary Flames this year. And I think most people would say that was a lopsided deal in favor of the Devils. Yeah. And, you know, Toffoli's kind of been up and down, right? He's, he's, you know, Toffoli has 29 points. So he's like right around there, 16 goals, 13 assists. So they have similar uh, points, I guess, with each other. Uh, Sharon Govich is 18 and 13 and Toffoli is 16 and 13. So it's not like too far off, but I think most people would have thought it would have been a way bigger difference for New Jersey. Toffoli's a streaky player. He always has been. He's a guy that kind of gets going in bunches and gets going in streaks, which is fairly common for guys in the NHL because of the way your confidence kind of can come and can go. So um, good questions, good comments. Uh, certainly not on the wrong t- uh, subjects, Jeremiah. I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll I'd, I'd personally love to see that. I, I'd like to see the Bruins make a run. I'd love to see James and Reamsdyke win a Stanley Cup. Uh, he's been around the league forever. You know, very, very close friend of mine. So. Um, I hope Don Sweeney does it. Yeah, and I'm sure those trade rumors will uh, start to heat up here as All-Star Weekend approaches. And as you guys know by now, we have Frank Saravalli come on every Tuesday, so we can talk to him about that next Tuesday, who he thinks might be the best for the, for the Boston Bruins. But I think it's hard to argue that it's anyone besides Lindholm. Colby, is there anything that you want to cover today? Anything else on your mind in the NHL? I, I, I'd say I talked too much today. I was a little too angry. You're pretty heated. Yeah, you've come down a little bit. Well, I mean, you just see what's going on and you see the commentary about it all. And it just like is annoying that people actually look at the Toronto Maple Leafs as a Stanley Cup contender, like not to beat a dead horse, but I got nothing else, Johnny boy. I, I got, I got absolutely nothing else. It'll be interesting to see how uh, things continue to unfold as we get towards the all-star break. Yeah. And we want to apologize once again for not being able to get Cornell on. We'll have to reschedule that one. Just some technical issues today. There are three games in the NHL tonight. The Detroit Red Wings going to Florida take on the Panthers. The Canadians are in Jersey taking on the Devils. And then the NHL on TNT game is the Blackhawks in Buffalo playing the Sabres. So pretty late night around the NHL, but we <laughs> will have a lot to talk about tomorrow. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you everyone for writing in the chat. Thank you to our producer, Vic. And uh, Colby, if you don't have any final words, I'll just send it off. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. <laughs>